For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. We got fresh frozen <laughs> strawberry margaritas and Terry's bringing us chips and salsa all night long. Nick's hips do not lie. <laughs> yeah, I got a MF wagon. Like, <laughs> let's be real. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Half Street High Heat. You can find them wherever your podcasts are downloaded or sold. With me, as always, is Ray Knight. Uh, Johnny, I think this is going to be a great episode. I do. They're going to talk baseball, Johnny. And the baseball is the reason they talk and what they talk about. I think that's important to talk about baseball. And if you're a baseball podcast, you're going to end up talking lots of baseball. Well, that's awesome. Thank you very much, Johnny and Ray. Bob Carpenter with you here. And now, let's start the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of Half Street High Heat, the first episode in 2021 when we have actual Nats baseball to discuss. So we are looking forward to it. We appreciate you joining us as always, and we love that you're listening. Please find us on Twitter and interact with us there. You can find the show at Half Street High Heat and all our personal handles there as well. And make sure you check out the website, which is chock full of good stuff this week at halfstreethighheat.com. We've got recaps from all the games, um, an analysis of Max Scherzer's first outing of the season, uh, just tons of good stuff. So if you're not going there every day, you are making a mistake. Also, make sure you check out the YouTube channel, The Rundown with Half Street High Heat. And uh, how you guys doing? Baseball. Actual baseball. Oh, and I forgot to introduce my assiduous co-hosts nick and ryan sorry yeah, i forgot about my hell. word today um but just to piggyback off that amanda um monty and company were on one today posted three articles in one day so i know i know they are kicking ass over there seriously you guys if you listen to the podcast obviously you're already a Nats fan make sure you're checking out the the website because there is so much good stuff there Meanwhile, I was supposed to have part three of my uh, article done last Friday, and that's still not done yet. Yeah, so. I wasn't going to bring it up, but since you did, I did. Listen, but- I've been busy. All right. <laughs> I did refer to you as assiduous, which means constant in application or effort, working diligently at a task. I don't know, maybe if that was the right word for you this week, Nick. I mean, it's it still applies. It's just not the specific task pertaining <laughs> to the website. Assiduous about tasks, which I care about. <laughs> not that I don't care about it. It's just, you know, no, I get I'm it. busy. Busy is busy. So how are you guys doing? Hi, Ryan. What it is. <laughs> <laughs> so um, thoughts, initial reactions. We got Nats baseball to talk about. Um, You. We do, we do. I, I think it was... You know, initial takeaway is about what I expected. Um, you know, I don't want to dive too deep into it because we'll, that's, you know, the meat of our episode. But, you know, Max probably was a little bit worse than I expected. But the, you know, the main points were there, whether they were good or bad. It's about what I expected. Strauss was the surprise. And, you know, Fetty is. Fetty's Fetty. He is who he is. So, you know. But we'll get to it. We'll get to it. All right, Ryan, before we get to that, you want to give us our midweek in review? I sure do. It is the midweek in review. But some people are in mid-season form, and that includes Angel Hernandez, who had 24 missed calls in the game this week, which is the worst-rated game of the entire season. It'll probably be the worst-rated for the entire year. The White Sox ownership is upset with usage and decisions that Tony La Russa is making. It is one week into the season, and ownership is already upset at Tony La Russa. 
Texas governor said he will not throw out the first pitch at the opening day or he will not bid for an all-star game after MLB's decision to move the all-star game out of Atlanta. And he, like many others, said MLB is in the world of hurt for doing this. Well, MLB season is a week old and all their games on ESPN and Fox News that were broadcasted nationwide are up over 50% compared to 20,000. 2019, the Mets, Yankees, Cubs, Cardinals, Phillies, Dodgers all set single game records for their local markets. It's a lot of the world to hurt. Uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. has a labrum tear in his shoulder. His manager said he does not need surgery right now, and playing again this year does not jeopardize him long term, but it is more than likely that Tatis's year is over, or at the best, missing several months. The Padres should be very careful with him, though, because players without a significant shoulder injury play an average of 7.5 years in their career. Players who suffer a significant shoulder injury play an average of 4.5 years. Fernando Tatis has a significant shoulder injury. To the NL East, in the fifth place are the Marlins, who got swept by the Cardinals and did not score more than two runs in the game. They are 1-5. Braves are in fourth place at 2-4. and four. They finally got their first wins of the season by sweeping a doubleheader against Nats. We'll get there in a second. Up next is a three-game series against the Phillies. In third are the 1-2 Nats. More about them in a second. In second is also the 1-2 Mets. Their bullpen and new additions continue to melt down. Their bullpen ERA is 7.94 to start the season. But they're playing the Marlins next, so things will go with a lot better. And in first place are the 5-1 Phillies. They swept the Braves with their pitching, and then they took 2-3 over the Phillies with a mix of offense, pitching, and taking advantage of the LOL Mets. This has been your week review brought to you in part by your local neighborhood chilies. Dine in, curbside, or delivery, and get yourself some delicious food right to you. Yeah, well, um, definitely the Mets did not come storming out of the gate. Um, the Braves didn't either. I, I wouldn't have picked the Phillies to sweep the Braves, certainly, for the opening series. They do this, though. The Phillies, See that. they do, you know typically start out hot i mean we kind of 2020 was so random but 2019 they started out very hot they were in first yeah, through a long may yeah i don't know how deep it went but you know they start hot it's a it's you know amanda, amanda as you like to allude to all the time you know it, the 162 game schedule is made for those teams that can withstand it so in, in you know recent history the phillies haven't been that type of team I mean, even when the, the season was shortened last year, they weren't uh, the type of team to withstand it. So I don't think this is entirely unexpected, but I do sense that this is a little bit of a different Phillies team. I don't know if they're playoff bound, but I think they're going to be in it longer than, uh, funny than we're thing used to. about the Phillies is in 2019, they began the season with a three-game sweep of the Braves. They won their next game. And then they lost, and they went to 4-1. They did not win five games in a row the rest of the season. This year's Phillies team started 4-0, lost one, and they're now 5-1. Can they actually win five games in a row? Will remain to be seen, but them and the Braves seasons are very early starting off to 2019. Now, the Phillies bullpen has been a lot better than it was in 2019 and 2020, so it'll be interesting to watch for them. But it's very weird seeing the comparisons for those two teams in the last couple of years. Well, if the whole season goes just like 2019, I guess I could live with it. 19 and 31, baby. <laughs> Let's do it again. Let's not. Let's please not. Let's not even put that that sort of evil out into the universe. So, um, yeah, it was more of a comment with the Phillies. Like, not that I was surprised that they came out hot because, as you pointed out, they often do. It was just I think the Braves maybe didn't come out quite as hot as I thought course they certainly found their bats against the Nats in this series so um, let's talk a little bit about the Nats I do feel like given how depleted the Nats are they were better than I thought obviously the outcome is one and two which you know I thought that was maybe the best we could hope for in this series was a, a you know steal one while we're so beat up like we are but you know they looked pretty good I mean other than Fetty and we'll get to him in our in our ugly segment that we're going to get to, because we are going to do the good, the bad, and the ugly. It is back for 2021. 
So uh, let's talk Nats. What is the good? We've got Strauss. Let's start there. Strauss was brilliant today. Um, it was his first start, you know, and Strauss's our delicate little flower. And there was a lot of times when he was shaking his hand, and I got a little nervous mm-hmm. and he ran off the mound off the sixth inning. He looked like he was grimacing, but his changeup was dancing. His changeup looked beautiful and he had them all over the place looking really great. He went six innings, gave up one hit, eight Ks, zero earned runs and two walks. That's all you can ask for. If he can do that, I mean, obviously, if you do it every single game, they're going to be in fantastic shape. But yeah, zero zero seven innings, <laughs> I mean, that's fantastic. Like, that is a very great start. That was one that was needed, especially with the way the lineup was. He didn't get the, you know, the, the run support he needed, but very, very strong start from my ace, Steven Strasburg. Yeah, I didn't, I watched most of game one and game two, but I practiced during uh, game three, so I missed Strasburg start, but obviously, you know, you're not gonna be too upset with that that final line, and you know, as long as he's healthy and he's not feeling any uh, lingering effects from the the off season surgery, it's all you can hope for. You just got to be very careful with him. I wouldn't be surprised if you know at certain times during the season they kind of skip a start here and there for him because they're they're. They have a lot of money invested, just like Ryan talked about with the Padres and Tatis and being careful mm-hmm. with him. It, the same thing applies to Strauss. We have a lot invested in him, not only monetarily, but with the you know future of this franchise over the next few years. He's a core piece of that. Obviously, you know, just follow the money, and you can tell who's who's important and who's not. But you know, they have to be careful. And I understand you want to win in, in twenty twenty one, but they they've made this decision before, right? You know, twenty twenty or twenty twelve, they shut him down when they had arguably, you know, a, one of the best chances to win a World Series that year. So you're gonna kind of find yourself in a position like that this year where is he on an innings limit? Is he not? Are we gonna skip starts so that way he can pitch deeper into the season should you find yourselves in contention? But, you know, we'll we'll find all that out as the season goes on. It was a great start. It was much needed because Scherzer didn't look his best. Um, he still looked good, but he was, you know, prone to the long ball as he sometimes is. And obviously, Fetty was downright terrible. We don't know what Lester's going to look like coming off a you know wacky spring training and now on the COVID and, list yeah, and then thyroid surgery, then COVID. Right. And then Ross hasn't pitched in over a year. So, you know, we really, really needed to start from Strauss, even though it wasn't the result we wanted, uh, at, like as a whole, but it was the result we wanted from Steven Strasburg and we got it. So that's a huge, huge, uh, positive for this series. Yeah. Agreed. It, I think just from a kind of mental standpoint of making the team feel like everything hasn't gone completely to hell. Like you, you've got Strassi's looking great. You know, Max, I am not at all surprised. He gave up a couple of home runs. I sort of fully expected that we'd see at least one or two. I wasn't expecting quite as many as we saw, but he settled in as he usually does and, and finished really strong. So I'm sure as he, you know, gets settled into the season, you know, we'll probably still see those home runs here and there early in games as we're used to by this point. But, yeah, I thought Strauss's start was amazing, and um, Fetty's was every bit as awful as Strauss's was terrific. But we will we will visit the Fetty topic in more depth in a little while. Let's talk about Victor Robles, who gets a lot of slander around here and has just uh, settled right into that leadoff spot. Yeah, so we've seen... We saw him do this in 2019, so it is a very, very small sample size. It's only three games in total plate appearances. In 2019, Robles came out on fire. Um, I think he was saying like 430 for the first week. His slugging was in the 600s. He was fantastic, and then he fell off a cliff, had a pretty mediocre 2019, was pretty bad in 2020. Um, So in the first series, he reached base seven times in 12 plate appearances, that's fantastic. And then I kind of want to look at it with a grain of salt because it is such a small sample size. But when you watch these games, you saw Victor Robles actually made 
progress on something. He took a two-strike pitch and just slapped it the other way in the right field for a base hit. Mm-hmm. We never see him do that. We saw him take borderline balls. He would swing as hard as he can and whiff on those all the time before. We saw him work counts. He took pitches on 3-2. There was a lot of stuff he did that he has never done before as a hitter, and that was extremely encouraging to see because if he's going to be the leadoff hitter, I don't care what his batting average is if he can get on this many times. If he can keep walking like this, and if he can keep getting, he only got hit by pitch once, but if he can keep walking like that, that's fantastic. And it's really encouraging because with a lot of Nats prospects, you don't really see that progression, but we're seeing that with him. It's going to be a very big challenge in the Dodgers series because now, you know, he's going up against Bueller, Kershaw, uh, well, Bauer pitched today, so they probably won't see him. A lot of very good pitchers. That's going to be his big test. If he can handle that on the big stage and see how he does with them. But fantastic, fantastic start for Robles. Yeah, obviously you want to hold out judgment until, you know, we get more of a sample size. But it was a great series from him. And it's like we talked about most of the offseason once these, um, you know, rumors turned reality of him being the leadoff guy this year. Uh, came about it it doesn't matter what his average is or how many home runs he hits it's specifically on base percentage and right now you know through three games he's leading the team in on base percentage with a 583 as ryan alluded to uh, which is phenomenal he's not going to sustain a 583 that would be insane i would like to see it (laughs) yeah but i mean that's his job and as ryan said he's made a lot of uh advancements in that part of his game because obviously a leadoff guy, it's not just Robles. Leadoff guys around the league, their job is to get on base. They are the table setters. They aren't, mm-hmm. you know, the the power hitters that drive in runs. That's not their job. Um, to and, and Trey and, has hit two two-run shots. Yeah, exactly. And Robles was on base each time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he's, he's the table setter, and he sets up guys like Trey and Soto and, and soon to be Josh Bell, hopefully. But it, it's... You know, it's a great start. I, you know, would like to see more of it, Amanda, like you said, but I'm not going to, you know, <laughs> rush to judgment because uh, even though I am optimistic, I do know the larger body of work from one Victor Robles. So I would like to see more before I uh, you know, believe what I, I've been seeing so far. Yeah, I, that's a very good point. I um I don't want to get too excited over such a, a small number of plate appearances, but I mean, I do love what I'm seeing and it does feel a little different. We have a large sample size over his career to look at and it's been very different, but when you're hitting eighth or ninth, it's, it's a, you were just saying it's a totally different mindset. And I, it seems like the, like the hitting staff has really worked with him on how to work those counts and how to be in that mindset of a, of a leadoff guy and just get yourself on base. So you know, maybe it's something that will work out to be a, a real benefit, not only to the team, but also to Robles himself. Like maybe this is a better fit for him than the way they've been using him in the past. So, again, obviously too soon to, to make sweeping statements. But I love what I've seen so far. And if he can, you know, even maintain this at a decent level, obviously 583, unrealistic. But um, this is going to be a game changer for the Nats. We talked a lot before the season started about how having him in that leadoff spot and letting Trey hit second lengthens that lineup and how different it is if he can't hold that spot down. So, so far, so good. Yeah, and I know we didn't have him in the show doc, but I thought Trey was good for the most part, too. I mean, obviously two home runs in a series is pretty good, but um, I didn't see too much uh, difference in his approach or, you know, uh, his ability hitting second. I definitely don't want him to hit third because then I think we would really see a different approach because you're going to have one, maybe two runners on base and that really neutralizes Trey's speed, um, mm-hmm. obviously. But again, you, you need to see more of a sample size, but I, I, I think I'm okay with him hitting second, you know, provided Robles stays getting on and, and mm-hmm. it doesn't hurt to trade too much because I don't think anyone's going to argue Trey is by far the better player than Robles. So it's better to put Trey in positions to succeed than to put Robles in positions to succeed. So if putting Robles in a position to succeed is hurting Trey, then it's not worth it. 
Yeah, I think that's a good point. And although we didn't get to see much of Trey Speed, I guess if he's not on base because he just hits bombs, I can live with that. Yep. All right. Um, so let's talk about the bad. That was our good, Strauss and Robles. Our bad is Max. Four solo shots. Not good. So we know Max is going to give up those solo shots. I remember thinking, I was like, all right, so is he just going to give up a solo shot, or is he going to do that walk the batter, and then the very next pitch, he throws a fastball down the middle, and it goes out for a home run. I was like, what are we going to see? Well, first pitch of the game, baseball's back. Ronald Acuna, who went hitless against the Phillies, hits a home run. And I was like, all right, baseball's back. But then they just kept coming. (laughs) They just kept coming. They kept hitting home runs. Good news is they're all solo shots. And then Max really settled into it, ended up striking 10, I believe. Um, I think this is more fluke than anything. Max is always going to give out the solo shots because he challenges hitters a lot more than most pitchers do. It's just funny that he gave up four of them because we finally got baseball back and he gave up four freaking solo shots, I think, like the first two innings. So that was pretty funny. Um, Not entirely too concerned about this, but, you know, if we're having another – another couple of outings where he's given up four runs maybe we'll have a different conversation but kind of just take it into being the way the air was blowing out and not really looking too much into it yeah i mean i think this is more um due to the weird lead up to the season with the delayed games and not really having a full workout which i know uh they talked about a little bit with strauss today and strauss came out and dealt but um you know not every pitcher's it's the same and going to have the same routine and same, you know, lead up to the season. So Max, his velocity was still there. His pitch is still good. He was just missing spots, which is, you know, pretty common in baseball in general, but specifically in, you know, the beginning of the season. I remember watching the, uh, the Phillies Braves game where Pablo Sandoval, who ironically did the same thing to us today, you know, tied the game up off Aaron Nola. The pitch was supposed to be, far and outside and he missed far and inside and Pablo Sandoval crushed it. Max was just missing his spots a lot. I mean, the pitch to Ronald Acuna was just right down the middle and he hung a curveball to Freddie Freeman. <laughs> yeah. So it like the, the pitches were good. They just were not located well, which again comes with time and not to mention the fact that he was pitching to Jonathan Lucroy, who he's never pitched to before. Um, and I get Jonathan Lucroy is coming in on very, very short notice, but you know, it's, I'm not worried about it. Like Ryan said, it's just one of those things. He settled down nicely. He only gave up five hits, five hits and four of them are home runs. Not ideal, but again, he settled down. He was still able to get through six, spare the bullpen a little bit. He did his job very well. And at some point, Max Scherzer is not going to be this Max Scherzer we remember. Obviously we want to cling to that as long as possible, but if he settles into a pitcher that has like a three, five ERA, that's still insanely valuable in today's game. And if Strasburg can maintain some ACE level and have these dominant games, then, you know, we'll be perfectly fine. So I'm not too concerned about it. It wasn't the start we had. We still won the game. So it is what it is. Yeah. I think that's a fair assessment. It, you can't expect Max to always be Max, but I oh, I feel like every year we have this conversation. We're like, we just need to be prepared for him to step back. And last year, I, I'm throwing it on the trash heap. I don't, I don't really consider it to have been a normal enough year to take much away from it. But we'll see. I mean, he, he did dominate later in the game and uh, after giving those up. And if he can just get those under control, you know, I think he'll be maybe not the ace of the staff. I think Strasburg probably pretty much has that title locked up at this point but you know he's going to be a really really valuable piece if he's you know if he's 90 percent of you know peak max scherzer he's still better than most pitchers in the league so i'm not i'm not real concerned about max right now if if he starts to slip where he's you know like he does sometimes when they leave him in too long and he's at 120 pitches and they don't pull him soon enough and then all of a sudden there's two guys on base and he gives up a three-run bomb you know if we see a lot of that I'll get a lot more concerned, but I hope Davey will be a little more circumspect in the way he uses him this year. And maybe I know he can go long innings, but I I'd rather at this point, we all know age (laughs) father time is undefeated. So I would like to see them treat Max, not like he's a delicate flower or anything, but maybe treat him a little bit less like a workhorse this year. 
I mean, it's kind of like what I talked about with Strauss is, you know, granted two different situations, but kind of the same um, management plan for both of them. Uh, maybe skip a start here and there. Uh, I think, you know, timing up the all-star break is going to be very important should Max and Strauss not find themselves in the all-star game itself. If you can, you know, give them the, you know, fourth start before the all-star game to kind of maximize the time off they have. Yeah, that's a great point. Davey's going to need to manage a lot this year. And, you know, yes, we won a World Series. I'm not taking that away from him. I thought he was phenomenal in his management in in the playoffs. But all three of us here and plenty of people, you know, on Nats Twitter, Nats fans around the league were critical of Davey Martinez throughout most of the 2019 season. Yeah, calling for his job. <laughs> yeah, we were yeah. there too. And oh, yeah. you know, I'm perfectly fine letting him roll because he, he's earned it with a World Series title. But we have not seen it sustained over 162 yet. Granted, it, it matter, matters most in the playoffs. and right. But you have to get there. Is, you do my, have to long, get there. my long way of, say, of getting, you know, trying to say what I'm saying. So Davey's really going to have to manage his, his guys really well with Max getting up there in age and Strauss coming off injury. So it'll be something to, to monitor as the season and goes Corbin's on. Corbin's going to be a huge piece of that. And right now we have no idea what to expect from Corbin. You mean five starter Patrick Corbin? <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll see what happens. I mean, I, I don't, we don't know still who has COVID and who's just quarantined because of, you know, contact tracing. But, you know, and I, I just find myself hoping that none of the guys who actually have it are going to have any kind of lingering effects because we've seen that in other teams. Like they've had players who've had really nasty lingering cases of COVID, you know, had long COVID. And uh, I'm just hoping and praying as much as we're worried about the outcome for these baseball games. Obviously, the most important thing is that these guys are in their families are healthy. Mm-hmm. So hopefully once everybody's back, which I don't expect to be probably in this Dodger series. I think we're going to be rolling with much the same group we we had in this opening series. Ryan, I have a question for you, and we don't have to get too deep into it because I know it, it's you know it is what it is. But should someone get like the Pfizer vaccine, would they have to sit out in between because of risk of like getting COVID, or do you think they're just going to play through the two vaccines? What do you mean, like? Because obviously, if you get COVID, you're going to have to start all over. So I wasn't sure if, you know, whoever was giving them the vaccine or MLB, whoever it's, you know, mandated or not mandated, but uh, administered by is going to be like, uh, take it easy for the two weeks in between or whatever. Um. Well, if they if you get COVID, you can't get the vaccine for like, I think the next 21 days. So everyone who has it now is gonna have to wait at least the 21 days um i don't know how mlb is gonna do their i don't know how mlb is gonna do their stuff once players are vaccinated because you can still test positive with it um but i don't know how mlb is gonna go about everything so that's gonna be pretty interesting to see how they go about with it if that makes yeah. sense i, was I, just I wouldn't expect them to actually make them like not play in between because no no i'm not saying days. like like a, a mandate like hey you can't do anything but i just wasn't sure if because you know they're in they're not exactly social distancing or anything like that so you know and we've seen outbreaks already especially within the national organization but they uh, I can't remember who brought up the point that maybe not all of them could have gotten vaccinated in Florida, but now that they're back and, um, you know, wherever they technically reside, they might be. Yeah, but DC now is, I think, 16, right? Didn't they just announce that today? Well, well that's what plus? I'm saying. They're going to start getting vaccinated. So I wasn't sure if, I mean, I guess the Johnson & Johnson's just, you know, a one, one and done, but I don't know. It just It is a asking. good question. And it, I wonder if they will maybe try to get the Johnson & Johnson just so they don't have to go back. Because I know it's 21 days between doses for the Pfizer one and 28 days between doses for Moderna. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so just curious. It's a mishmash of stuff. But, yeah, it's a great question. And the great point you brought up there, Ryan, is what if somebody tests positive but they're vaccinated? Like there's really conflicting evidence. Like can you transmit it when you're vaccinated if you're positive? Like who, who knows? Are you going to still have to go on the COVID list the same way? Because the data is still 
the data is still inconclusive on that. Like we're seeing more stuff, but the case studies aren't large enough to draw any conclusions from it. So I don't know. I haven't seen anything how MLB said they're going to do it. So I'm pretty interested to see how they change things as more and more guys are getting vaccinated throughout the year. Yeah, I just listened to uh, your guys' interview with Todd Dibas, which great job, by the way. Um, but, you know, he he brought up the great point last year, you know, with the whole Juan Soto, did he test positive, didn't he? But, you know, the Nats and the MLB kind of went to, I don't know if it was Mayor Bowles or DC or whoever, and kind of got him a waiver, so to speak. So maybe it'll be a situation like that where, <laughs> because they're baseball players, they get an exception. I don't know. I don't yeah. know how it's going to work. I, I'm just. I'm curious. sure that won't piss anyone off. No, well, well, let's let's get it clear. They're rich, so they're going to skip the line and the rules right. apply to them. So let's be honest. Yep. <laughs> yes. Okay. So we've done our good and our bad. Let's get to the ugly. Um, the replacements. I like the I like the replacements. Uh, I, I, reference there. Great movie. I I feel bad putting them here because the bar was literally the floor. All they had to do was just go out there. They're in a really, really tough situation. They're not going to play again once everyone's back, except for Andrew Stevenson. He'll probably still be on the roster. But Stevenson, he's going to be a late-inning guy. He's not going to be playing a lot. Um, He he didn't look too good. He hit 200, 182 on base because he got on first of errors, and then a 200 slugging um Hernan Perez has the worst plate discipline I've ever seen in my life homie is just swinging at everything he slashed 125 222 125 Jonathan Lucroy on the other hand though he looked pretty good he had 286 his on base was 286 I can't remember his slugging but he had that pretty big two-run double in his first at bat when he was signed mm-hmm. the night before so that was pretty encouraging again I feel really really bad putting them in here but it was pretty bad. <laughs> They're in an imp- impossible situation. There was no expectations from whatsoever, but I had to point them out. And was this replacements uh, reference that you put here because of Jonathan Lucroy? Because there was something on Twitter yesterday about he referenced the movie The Replacements and said he felt like a mercenary, just like oh, I didn't even see that walking in. Oh yeah, well he was talking, which I thought was awesome because of course DC. But, um, yeah, he talked about feeling like a mercenary, just, like, showing up and walking into the Nets clubhouse and catching Max Scherzer that night. Like, <laughs> I mean, dude is a absolute professional. I mean, Luke Corey was a, a great catcher for a long time, so it's not like this is, you know, who caught today? Tres Ferreira, you know, catching Steven Strasburg. Like, Luke Roy can handle this. It's still going to take time for him to build rapport, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, what if – both Gomes and Avila are cleared tomorrow. Um, right. That was my next more question. Than seven days. Like Luke Roy's small sample size, but he he's looked okay. So, I mean, do you just release him at that point? Because you, I don't remember what we paid Avila. It's probably next to nothing, but I don't know. I, it'll be interesting to see if Gomes and Avila do turn out to uh, be cleared tomorrow, because obviously Jan has, the most rapport with the team starting catcher and Avila has a lot of rapport with a lot of guys due to, you know, past, um, you know, uh, experiences with, with different guys on different clubs. So that kind of puts them both on the above Luke Roy in the totem pole right now. I think Luke Roy would have needed a couple weeks to, uh, really solidify himself as a candidate to replace Avila as the backup catcher. And I'm not sure that he's going to get that. Unless either Gomes or Avila are the ones who actually have COVID and not just are right, being, right. Uh, they might be was, out longer. And is there any chance you think that they carry three catchers or that they? I don't think so. one. One of them out? will be one of them will be in the minors because they're going to have to have a third catcher they can turn to as the emergency catcher. Um, I think Lucro is going to go down when Avila and Gomes come back because all the guys who are out, they're going to be playing right away. Mm-hmm. They're going to have to get their at-bats, so they're going to be on the roster. I think Luke Roy kind of understood that when he signed, so I feel like he understands he's going to go back down to AAA. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure they had some sort of conversation like, hey, you're an emergency catcher in the pure sense of the form right now, starting on opening day, but you're not necessarily a starter or even a backup yet. It's kind of but- it's it's kind of going to be like how Taylor Heineke, like literally by himself, no one touch him. You're the emergency quarterback in case everyone goes down with COVID. Like you're the emergency catcher. Just stay right. 
and don't get COVID. Yeah, relax, collect a paycheck, hang and out. Don't get COVID. <laughs> don't get COVID. Yeah, I am curious if Avila is one of the guys who actually has it and is out for a while. And you know, Lucroy continues to look pretty good. I think it could make for an interesting, an interesting situation. Yep. All right, let's get to the ugliest of the ugly from this series, which is Eric Betty. One point two innings pitched. Six hits, six earned runs, three walks, and one K. Yeah, the dude who struck out needs to retire. <laughs> I know. It was, it was Dancy Swanson. He struck out looking. It was funny because right before that, Bob goes, you know, he's not much of a strikeout guy. He um, he was the lowest K per nine in MLB since his debut. Like, said it really quickly and quietly. Like, he didn't want to say it, and he struck <laughs> someone out. He doesn't have swing and miss stuff. He gets scared when he has guys with two strikes. Nibbles he tries to get edges. them to chase, mm-hmm. and they're they're professional hitters. This isn't the minor leagues. They're not going to chase like that. It's just it's not working. I feel like the Nationals also know that he's out of options. I I'm expecting a DFA when Lester and Corbin come back and Hand and um, who was it? Luis Avalon. When all those guys are back, Avalon was healthy. He was on the roster. Is he? Yeah. Yeah, I, no, I, I, I can't. I can't. Thing. I can't keep up. Um, yeah. But anyways, well, like when all the COVID guys are back, I expect him to get DFA'd because he's 28. Someone else is going to take a chance on him, but it's just not working here at the Nats. You know the Nats track record developing pitchers. We have not seen any development with him ever. We just haven't seen it, and he's been given a ton of chances. Yeah, he it's has. not like he's hasn't really you know had his shot. They've thrown him out there a lot, and it's just not working yeah i agree with all of that i think that ex- the eric fetty experiment in dc is um the end is in sight i, I feel pretty certain he and- reminds me sorry go ahead amanda no no no. go ahead finish i was just gonna say he reminds me a lot of what we went through with aj cole uh-huh. a- aj cole was around here way too long the yankees took a flyer on him he still flamed out and now i'm pretty sure he's out of the league although he might be in the minor somewhere because i'm pretty sure i thought well i thought Ross Detweiler was out of the league for like seven years until I randomly saw him at that AAA game one time. Now he's in the starting rotation for the Marlins now or something. But yeah, the DFA is what needs to happen. It's the same exact result every single time he pitches. He never goes past five. He always gives up more than three runs. There's always, you know, his whip is at two or above two it's it's the same result he's not even worth a spot start anymore like you know what you're going to get from him like what more do you need to see yeah uh aj cole's uh on the blue jays apparently oh well okay then eric fetty will be the next aj cole and just take flyers on random teams for the rest of his career yeah which will be probably not very long yeah it's it's too bad like you saw a couple of times earlier in his career years ago, there were some flashes of maybe this kid's got something, but I, I think the sample size is large enough now that it, it's time to move on. Once they have, they're back at full strength. It, it's, you can't, you can't have them off. You can't have them taking up a roster spot at this point. I think uh, this might be an appropriate time to bring it up. And I think Ryan will enjoy this conversation. So I'm going to bring it up. I think, you know, we can, fairly criticized Mike Rizzo to an extent because he, you know, has made some good moves like the Josh Bell and, you know, going back further, obviously Max Scherzer was probably the best free agent signing ever or one of the best and, and whatnot. And he extended Strasburg and all this stuff, but just look at the past two years, we made no moves last year at the deadline. And then coming in this year, we didn't address the biggest priority we didn't bring in a single person to challenge a third base job, and we didn't sign a single person to even a minor league deal for starting pitching depth. And now here we are, three games in, we are starting Hernan Perez because we have literally no one else, and we're having to pitch Fetty, which probably would have happened anyways, but we also have no one to turn to because Mike Rizzo and company – just failed to bring in, you know, bodies and capable bodies at, at that regard. So 
I for all the the you know well known successes Mike Rizzo has had, he's also had some pretty notable failures in my mind. I think that's an excellent point, and um, a lot of people make the argument, well, you know, they they didn't really want to go out and spend a ton of money on a marquee free agent, but you didn't have to. There were you didn't a need lot. to. Yeah, yeah, you didn't need to. There were a lot of really reasonably priced guys available, particularly late. In, in the, the offseason where you could have brought in some depth, you could have brought in some insurance, and they didn't do it. And I don't know why, except I know they always like to leave that buffer before they hit the, the tax thresholds, you know, in case they have to pay bonuses to anybody or you have to sign somebody at the trade deadline. But for God's sake, you, you said you were told to put a championship team on the field. And this is not one. This is not one. I mean, they look, I, I think they look pretty good. I was impressed with what I saw. I don't need to be like too negative about it. And I think they, they played the Braves really tough given how depleted the roster is right now. And yeah. that was impressive, but the, the weaknesses are obvious to anybody who's paying attention and they didn't need to be there. And you could have addressed them in a way that didn't break the bank. And I just don't understand why they didn't. The only thing that has been addressed in the past two years was first base. And we're just assuming that. We, we Josh Bell could come out here and stink. He, oh, You know, the second half of 2019 and... Yeah, what are you saying? Eric Thames didn't count as addressing first base? Is that Josh what you're Bell, trying to imply? Josh Bell stank. So uh, obviously none of us are hoping that or expecting that, but it could be. So, you know, as it stands right now, our team is in the exact same position it was at the end of 2019. Literally, I mean, you know, as far as after the, the, the off season. So I, I'm not, and this isn't to say Mike Rizzo is a bad GM because he does have a lot of major successes. And you look around the league and there's a lot of GMs that haven't done crap for their, for their squads, you know, in a long time or, you know, anything that moves the needle. But it, it, he's not infallible. He's not, no. you know, the best GM in baseball. He does a lot of good things and a lot of crappy things. But he also fails to make a lot of moves. I mean, last year wasn't the first year where at the trade deadline we were left shaking our heads at what transpired. Yeah. And, and acknowledging those successes doesn't mean you can't also acknowledge those failures. I mean, you can, we can do both things at once. <laughs> And I, I just want – so wait, did, Rizzo got a three-year contract extension. Is that right? I believe so, both he and Davey, right? Okay. But I also wonder, you know, why it, you know, lasted to the last minute because it came down to the wire with him for a contract extension. They won a World Series and kind of just left him and Davey as sitting ducks. So it, uh, it's just curious. And, again, I'm not trying to say he's a bad GM, but – it's frustrating when we, you know, predict, 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 and are just waiting to be proven wrong because we're just fans at the end of the day. And here we are, fans can see what is wrong with the team, and Mike Rizzo and company who are being paid millions of dollars to fix this team aren't doing it. Truth. Yep. All right. On that note, a word from our sponsor. Yeah, well... I was waiting for Ryan to jump in on the conversation. I felt like he was going to go in on Mike Rizzo, courtesy of Dad's no, post. I was, I was, I was just listening. Oh, I was here. I was, just, oh. I was, I was just listening to what you guys were saying. Okay, I appreciate that. I love a man who listens. <laughs> Peter's going to get a little bit more serious again. April is Testicular Cancer Awareness Month. Manscaped has partnered with the Testicular Cancer Society to bring awareness to testicular cancer. Man, there's a tongue tongue twister. Men's health and early cancer detection. Manscaped is committed to raising awareness for most common form of cancer in men age 15 to 35. That's me. That's Ryan. That's a lot of our listeners. And they are giving support for fighters, survivors, and families impacted by testicular cancer as part of their We Save Balls initiative. So... What I want you to do, go to Manscaped, and you can use our promo code HSHH20, 20% off and free shipping. But take a look at their initiative of We Save Balls. It's you know a great partnership they're doing with the Testicular Cancer Society. You can donate, read more about it. Um, you know their their initiative isn't just to cure and fight; it's also to detect. 
So obviously you want to catch these, these things early. So the more you know and the earlier you can detect and catch these things, the better chance we all have at fighting and, and hopefully finding a cure for this. So please go check them out. It's a great cause, great initiative. So I encourage you to do so and use our promo code HSHH20 if you do find something you like. And go check out our shop at T Public. It's through our website at Half Street High Heat. I am currently working on, um, uh, it was supposed to be an opening day drop, but I didn't like it enough. So I wanted to, you know, refine it a little bit before I posted it. I, I want to give you heaters the best, but we still have a ton of great merch on the site. Anything you want, whether it's hats, shirts, masks, hoodies, onesies. I mean, literally <laughs> everything. If you can put a logo on something, chances are we have it. So please go check that out. That is a good idea. I just bought some uh, more of the mugs to give to my friends and family. Because yeah. I don't feel, they don't feel like I've given them enough Half Street High Heat merch yet. So That's the great part of like not only launching a shop, but also, um, you know, partnering with Manscaped is I just have easy, easy gifts for any type of situation. Granted, oh, yeah. you know, you got to finesse, a, you know, a lawnmower 3.0 to a family member, but... Yeah. You know, it, it, it's a great, uh, you know, trump card, not trump card. What's the word I'm looking for? Just an easy gift to give, whether mm -hmm. it's a half street high heat merch or Manscaped. Uh, yeah, products. I told my sons, I was like, listen, I'm just going to tell you the promo code. I don't want to know anything. Just don't talk to me. <laughs> just here's the promo code. Do what you got to do. All right, so let's move on and talk Dodgers because that is we've got a travel day tomorrow, and then the weekend series is in LA. Um, Ryan, you want to do the preview for us? Yeah. So Joe Ross is pitching game one. He is getting thrown to the Wolves then, and he is facing this Dodgers lineup. I'm going to break them down in just one second on the Dodgers, and Walker Bueller is going Friday. Julio Urias is going Saturday. They have not yet announced Sunday's starting pitcher, but it's going to be more than likely Dustin May. They're good. Um, <laughs> they're really good. Yeah, that sucks. <laughs> they're, they're really good. I don't like it. Um, it is annoying. But Davey said we may, emphasis on may, have some guys back in time for the series. If anyone is cleared to return, they have to fly back separately to LA and they have to go through MLB's intake process again. So if we're going to get anyone back for Friday, we're probably going to hear about it tomorrow, but to the Dodgers, um, they're averaging 6.3 runs per game. That's the second best in baseball. They scored 44 runs so far, second best, and they have the second best run differential in baseball. Just listen, listen to this team's on base percentages. It's, Again, this is small sample size alert, but this is a lineup without Mookie Betts and without Cody Bellinger today. They have guys with a 591, 531, 400, 476, 269, 531, 412, 357, 370, and 286 on base percentage. Who's that, that schlub with the 286? Yeah, is that good? <laughs> um, that's the backup to Mookie Betts, who's probably never going to play again because Mookie freaking Betts is the right fielder. God damn it. This schedule sucks. Like, <laughs> we're going to, you know, like, it, it's really unfortunate that the Nats are facing the Dodgers where they're going to have a 5-8 through eight with Andrew Stevenson, Jonathan Lucroy, Hernan Perez, and um, I can't remember who, who else is going to be out there. Whoever's going to be the throwing pitcher. to the Wolves. <laughs> yeah, because that sucks. I, You know, anything can happen. I'm going to say Nats win one. But the Dodgers are really good, and yeah, so it, it'll be a fun. It'll be a fun series. They're gonna raise the banner on Friday night, and yeah, that that'll be fun to see because you know we're gonna we're probably gonna get trounced, but that's okay. <laughs> I think that probably winning one out of these three was likely the best case scenario had none of this COVID stuff ever happened, <laughs> and uh, just because the Dodgers are such a monster and. I don't know. If they get swept, I won't be surprised. Um, I'd love to see them steal one, but, you know, this this Dodgers lineup is firing on all cylinders. Their pitching is just filthy, and the Nats are not the Nats right now. I mean, they're the they're the 4A, maybe even, I mean, where was Arnon Perez? Was he even at AAA, or is he at AA? I can't even remember. He was not on the 40-man He was roster. on his couch. 
Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. So that's my point is, you know, let's say none of this COVID stuff ever happened. The season started on time. Everything was normal. I still think this would have been a series that they would struggle to win a game. And with the lineup we're going to be trotting out there, let's just say I don't have high expectations. Yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> everyone knows it's the Dodgers. They're the World Series champions, and I get it was a shortened season, but if it was a 162-game season, the Dodgers are probably winning that too. This team has no holes. <laughs> it's it's You can't help but be jealous of, of them. You know They are stacked. They can afford to sit not one but two MVPs, and still, you know, they lost today on a walk-off, but they still have a lineup boasting OPSs. I think four guys in their lineup today, like Ryan said, without Mookie Betts and Cody Bellinger, had a OPSs above 1,000. So it's it's just annoying how good they are. And if we can steal one, it, that's literally what it would be. It would be stealing a game from the Dodgers. And the A's just did it, so... Yeah. Well, they the the box score is so funny because the A's went all hands on deck to win. Like, if you see how many people they're subbing in, oh, I really, and, and then like the Dodgers didn't really sub anyone in, but you know, oh, they and, did. <laughs> <laughs> they had the DH too. <laughs> they went all hands on deck. In the ring Thursday's game, Mookie Betts had a 480 on base percentage, and it was the seventh highest on the team. And that was the most offensive thing I've ever heard in my lifetime. <laughs> I'm I'm just I'm just hoping for a good time. Yeah, I'm seriously about to throw like, up right now. That's not these, okay. These three games were honestly a lot more entertaining than I expected them to be. You know, Trey, Max, Trey, Soto, Robles, and Max are why they won game one, and then. The second, um, yeah, yeah, sorry, one game one. They almost won game two with everyone. Just make it entertaining. Like, they've been fun to watch so far, so if they can keep doing that this series, I'll be very happy. Is, yeah. Gavin, is Gavin Lux their starting second baseman? Um, I don't know, dude. They have so many people that just rotate in. I can't keep up. Yeah, because, I, I mean, he was the odds-on favorite for uh, uh, Rookie of the Year last year, obviously. He only played in 19 games, so I think that would still make him rookie eligible, right? I think it would, right? What's the cutoff? Is it more mm, than that? I don't know if he is. I can't remember. Because 23 games, 82 played appearances in 2019. 19 games, 69 played appearances. Nice. In 2020. So I assume he's still rookie eligible. I don't know how the... He's going to have some pretty stiff competition this year. But, you know, if he's going to get or if he has the starting second base job or, you know, at least a, a prominent spot within that lineup, he's going to be fucking set up for success, man. I mean, and who knows what they have with him uh, there. He, he being their top prospect loaded in, in a lineup with just MVPs and absolute studs. So again, you know, I am not here for a long time. I'm just here for a good time and it probably won't be a good time either, but I'm going to watch anyways, but I'll be there. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Fantastic. I think that's all we got for this episode. Um, let's do our one big thing. Um, Who wants to start? I mean, mine was kind of what I talked about before with Max. Um, yeah, it was four solo shots, which is super uncharacteristic of Max. But, you know, we have seen him prone to that first or second inning solo shot in the past. So for a long time, yeah, this was just a, a little bit of an exaggerated outing in that regard, but his velocity was still up. He was, I think his first pitch of the game was 96 and it only increased after that. So his velocity still there that that's key and his breaking stuff still looks good. So I don't know. We'll have to see how a 37 year old Max Scherzer's body holds up over the course of a, a season, because now it's been, you know, two years since he's done that. And he, again, he's two years older, so we'll have to see how he responds. But I think, you know, we can expect a pretty good season from him. And I wasn't sure that I was expecting that. I, I was setting the bar low so that way I could be pleasantly surprised and not disappointed. The key and to happiness is after, you know, one start and really just trying to find the silver lining out of an otherwise not great start from Max Scherzer, I am now like raising that bar, even though I don't want it to be raised with my, you know, optimism versus, you know, 
whatever. So that that was my one big thing. I think Max will be fine provided he, he stays healthy, which is the case for everyone. Ryan, what you got? So my one, my, my one big thing is hope, right? So the Nats are going out west. We just talked about that. They're they're playing the Dodgers. After that, they got three games set with the Cardinals. I'm hoping for three and six when they come back home. I don't think they'll do it, but I'm hoping for three and six. And uh, if if they go three and six or better when they come back home, I'll buy one lucky person, Nats post, Chili's. <laughs> that's that I am saying that right now. I am saying that right now. That'll be our next giveaway, but they have to be three and six or better. Oh, that was a perfect uh, way to get into my one big thing, which was what we didn't talk about, which was we did an Chili's. awesome giveaway this week. Um, it was a hat and a jersey. And who, what was the name of our winner? I forgot to write it down. DC Golf Guy 12. DC Golf Guy. So who did he pick? Who was his? Seems cool. Yeah, it seems like a good guy. Um, he chose Max Scherzer, jersey. Love it. And uh, it was funny because after that, we announced it the day before opening day and then on opening day after the first two or three home months he he asked if uh he could you know swap out max Scherzer <laughs> for someone else um but then oh, got, no loyalty at all oh uh, he still got it i already placed the order so um then he got the navy hat with the red brim which i think oh, is the right choice because can i've said this before but this will be my second big thing the what i thought was the spring training hat with the the Capitol building and the block W is the worst hat in baseball. It is so bad. I despise that thing with passion. However, it does seem like we're moving away from the curly W jerseys, which I think is a big win because the script is fire. And if those are, if you know, the white ones they were wearing today and the Navy ones, I just bought that Jersey. Yeah. Good for you. Um, And if they bring the Navy ones back at some point, if those are our primaries going forward, we, I don't, we haven't ranked Jersey. Maybe that'll be my next three piece article where I rank jerseys. Um, we go from Two bottom third to, I love that. I, and that's no bias because I, I'm more than happy calling out the Nats when I don't like something, as you've seen, I think <laughs> yes, they would be are. top 10 jerseys in the league. I freaking love those things. It's just, I think the curly W jerseys are terrible but i think they're just a little played out i love the navy jerseys and that goes for the caps too i absolutely know they have that alternate that they did in the navy i bought an ob one but um i just i love the navy blue i think i know a lot of teams have those and a lot of teams have red of course but uh i would love to see them kind of play up a little bit more on the blue and maybe a little less on the red for a while and Um, jerseys need to change over time otherwise they just get stale i mean unless they're classics but you have to be a classic franchise to have a classic jersey so obviously that'll never be the Nats but maybe not never but not right now I mean the classic franchises are always going to be the classic franchise Yankees Red Sox Cardinals and so on and so forth but uh, Cubs obviously but you know we, we talked about it a bunch especially when you know we did our jersey draft and stuff like that the Nats lack an identity so if this is the way they're moving forward with at least their jerseys, not specifically their hats, but their jerseys. That's a great step in the direction of having an identity because the script is fire. I haven't seen one person that doesn't like the script. So, and if they, if they didn't like it, they would be wrong. So. And you can't imagine anybody in the Nets Twitter world being wrong. That would never happen. Yep. Could never happen. All right. You guys got anything else before we get out of here? No, I do not. All right. Well, thank you, Heaters, for listening. We appreciate you very much. Please make sure you download the episodes, set the reminders so that you get notifications when we post, and subscribe, yada, yada, do all of those things. Um, you can find us on Twitter at the Half Street High Heat account and also at the website, halfstreethighheat.com, and on YouTube at the Rundown with Half Street High Heat. And we'll catch up next week. Go Nat. There's a new breeze blowing off the banks of the Potomac A new team's mowing down the ranks of their opponents The Nationals are smashing balls so that the commentator Who has the cause has passed the wall to see you later Let's go Nats We've got a game to play, we're gonna win today 
By the early light of dawn, well you can see they're running scared Cause the kinds of bombs we're launching are bursting in the air Tell the Library of Congress that they might not want to look Cause we're putting curly W's in every book Let's go Nats, we've got a game to play For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.